Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation. So sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Stitch Please podcast. I am your host, Lisa Woolfork. And as I say every week, this is a very special episode because this episode is what happens when you are fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time. And I speak of myself being fortunate enough to have visited the Parsons School of Design to speak with a class that was working on fashion and social justice. And as part of that wonderful experience, I got a chance to walk around these amazing studios. And students are working on all manner of things. And I saw these two Black young people through the window. I think it was the first studio I saw. And I was like, what manner of magic is this? And there were two wonderful young people there, Jai. So shout out to Jai if you're listening and Celeste. And I invited Celeste to be part of the podcast because she was working on something that I thought was absolutely stunning. And when I saw it, I wanted everybody to see. So Celeste, Nicole, thank you so much for being here and welcome. Thank you so, so much for having me. That was such a beautiful intro also. It really was like a moment of the right place and the right time. Because when you walked in, I'm like, who is this? You're happy to see us. I was happy to see you and we connected. It was great. It was just wonderful. Just wonderful. Now, you'll have to tell us a little bit. Now, you are currently a senior at Parsons School of Design. You will be graduating in May of 2023. Congratulations. And as part of this process, you are working on a senior project. So you are here at the end of a four-year educational journey. But before you ended up here as a senior at Parsons, you were a small child elsewhere studying and growing. How did sewing first come into your life? And how did you know that design and apparel would be something you would be interested in? Well, fashion design sort of came into my life before sewing did. My father is an artist. My mother has worked in cosmetics and women's beauty care my whole life. So there's just been this interest in like the way that women dress and the way that we posture ourselves before we leave the home. That's always just been so inspiring to me. So as a kid, I would really have my dad draw my coloring books. He would draw women for me and then I would draw the clothes on them. So that's kind of how I fell in love with clothing. My dad was like my team designer when I was a kid. So that's how that started. And then sewing kind of started in like elementary school. I think the first thing I ever sewed was a poodle skirt for a school concert I was doing in the fifth grade. And naturally, there's just stories that I got from my mom as well about how her mom sewed, how her grandmother sewed all of her children's clothing. And back then, they hated it. They never had clothing from the department store. And I remember a story my mom told me that when my great aunt turned or when she got her first job, she bought a three-piece suit from Kaufman's. And it was like the first item of clothing she ever got from a department store that wasn't handmade. So there's just been this natural tradition in my family of the women making every garment down to the underwear. So just being related to those stories kind of sparked the interest of like knowing that I can do this and knowing that I have my mom to ask questions and go to as a resource for information. So just having that tie is really how the interest started, I guess. 
It sounds like such a beautiful story, a beautiful family story, both of something that you have inherited from your mom's side, but also something that your father was able to lay out for you by drawing your coloring books. Mm -hmm. And then you would draw the colors. Like this is very much like a team group art project. And the idea that your father could just create your coloring book images, like, oh no, we don't have to struggle about finding a coloring book where the girl has hair like Celeste. We will make sure this person has hair like hers, etc. I mean, it just feels incredibly powerful. Do you feel as though this somehow authorized or invited you into the process of making art? Do you feel as though that having this as part of a heritage in some ways that might make you trust yourself more as an artist than you normally would? Or are there other, or am I a little bit off base on that? Do you understand what I mean? No, I think I understand what you mean. I definitely felt invited into artistic processes as a way of expressing myself very early on, just because I saw that as a way that my parents used to express themselves. So like when I got older, that was always a part of how I was creatively expressing myself, whether it was creative writing or drawing or sewing. There was always some form of creation coming out of me because that just felt natural to me as a person. And this idea of like some folks, they want us to kind of live with these very bifurcated lives where you either do one thing or you do another. But we actually are is whole organic beings that do lots of things at once. And I get the sense that your art practice has been such an innate part of your growth and development, the family you landed into. I imagine this kind of beautiful pillow like catching you as you fell from the sky and that pillow is the family and it's all like stitched together with art and drawing and they're ready for Celeste to hit the world so that she can go out and start making her own art. Have you always been, from your earliest days, someone who has been so committed to fashion, to design, to the practices of apparel? And you mentioned the poodle skirt, but I'm wondering if as your development grew, did you have some type of, you know, pretty powerful experiences in middle school or high school or something where you felt like, okay, I'm surprising myself now? I think... Yes, I think I have always felt drawn to art and design as a way of expressing myself and clothing and I have absolutely grown together. But I think it's been a difficult relationship growing older and my relationship with clothing because it's how we express ourselves. But it's also a way of like signaling different statuses that you hold in the world, like how people are perceiving your clothes at school or how you're just approaching the outside world by dressing yourself. So it's been an up and down relationship as far as that's concerned, especially once I got a little bit older and learned more about the fashion industry and where me or people that look like me can fit into those spaces and how sometimes Mm. that relationship can be difficult. So I think fashion and I have had just a regular relationship that has ups and downs. But at the end, it's all love because this is like the primary way that I feel so connected to expressing who I am. And like what you saw me working on in the studio that day, I think was like a perfect what you just said about my family and landing in the pillow. Like that's such a great description because that's really what this thesis is about is kind of like reworking those steps backwards, retracing who I am, where I come from, where does this artistic identity start? And when I'm tracing that back, it's my dad, it's my mom, it's my brother and my sister, it's my whole family, like unintentionally weaving together parts of my identity and me using that as like an inspo starting place to start to have my own collection identity. Now, that's a beautiful segue into what is it 
in terms of to be a student, to arrive at the four-year mark at Parsons as someone who is studying fashion, can you tell us or paint a picture of that journey, of that process? What type of things do you study in your first years that prepare you to do what you're doing now? The Parsons first year program is very interesting. And I have to be honest, when I first got to the school, I wasn't in love with it because it's kind of fractured from what you come to the school to study. If you know what you're coming to the school to study and, you know, some Mm -hmm. people are coming and waiting to figure that part out. But I very much knew what I was there for. But the first year program is about just introducing you to certain ways of creating, ways of thinking Mm -hmm. outside the box and also familiarizing yourself with just different programs like Adobe Suite, (laughs) learning how to do different projects with that. And in my first year, when I'm like so ready to get into fashion, it was really difficult for me to pace myself and wait for that moment. But in hindsight, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. Looking of back course. at those experiences, yeah, I'm like, okay, I needed to learn how to do those things so I can do these things now. But it's an amazing, like, full circle moment of even those early first year moments of feeling like, oh, when am I going to get the chance to really dive in? When am I going to do this? When am I going to do that? Now I'm here and I'm doing it. And I'm like, okay, I needed that first year. I needed that class that kicked my butt. Like, I needed yes. these experiences, and I needed to realize that sometimes the journey really is just putting one foot in front of the other. It's not racing to the finish line. You just got to take your time. So it's been beautiful, especially going through the pandemic. And at that time during 2020 was back home. Home for me is in Pittsburgh. So I felt even more far removed from New York and from fashion and closer to my family, funny enough. So that was kind of like putting me in that place of thinking like, why am I even doing this? Why did I come to this school? And thinking through those questions is what got me to this thesis that I'm working on. So it's like in the moment, sometimes things aren't making sense. But when we're getting to the finish line, like where I'm at now, approaching that moment, it can be beautiful to the point of bringing me to tears because I'm like, wow, this was all for a reason. Like I'm understanding and seeing it. So there's been ups and downs. It's been beautiful. It's been difficult, but I'm happy. I'm very happy in this moment. I am absolutely delighted. And one of the things that in asking you to think back over the four years is because that's part of, I think, what your process journal is also doing. It's asking you to look back to figure out how you got to where you are today. I keep thinking about like imagining you in some class and it's like, oh my goodness, this is like watching paint dry or this is so hard and why do I need to know these things? I'm not going to ask you which these classes were, but I can say for myself, like there were classes when I was doing my PhD and I wanted to study African-American literature and it's like, no, you still have to do all of this 19th and 20th century British and American literature and yes, you will read these very long and boring books, you know, and now I'm like, (laughs) well, at least I know how to answer some questions on Jeopardy. Like the knowledge never goes goes to waste. It never goes to waste. Yeah. And speaking of, I absolutely want to hear more about your thesis project. So what questions are you investigating for your thesis? And how is the process book kind of helping that get started? So for my thesis, my work in general at Parsons has really dealt heavily with femme identities, how we structure ourselves, how we build ourselves and curate how we present to the world and why we choose certain imagery to inspire that. Why? It's just like asking the style questions of why. For my thesis, I'm sort of investigating my own all-American girlhood, but at the same time, these things that kind of have structured my identity, which is my racial identity, my gender identity, my sexuality. This is all 
been a part of me my whole life, but it puts me in this place of also being un-American in a way. So it's like being all American, Mm. but through your identity, having these feelings of being un-American and not fitting into this quilt that's already made, but then somehow situating yourself in it perfectly, making the experience your own. So it's investigating my gender and my experiences with race growing up in a suburban neighborhood and taking cues from my mom, taking cues from my grandmother, taking cues from my sister stylistically, and just the way I approach the world, the way I've chosen to see myself as an artist, as a woman, as a Black woman, as a queer woman, and how I've postured myself style-wise and just my attitude and the way that I wear that as a clothing choice, as a hair choice, whatever I choose. There's this investigative research that we can do to like unwrap every part of our identity. So that's really what my thesis is doing finding the roots of me and why those roots have taken me to art, taken me to design and why that matters, why that's an important part of a fashion narrative that is at this point really heavily missing from the fashion industry because there isn't a lot of diversity. We're getting to that point where people Mm -hmm. are working their way in, but we're still at the brink of it. So there's so many important stories missing from fashion because these narratives have been limited to only certain people having the stage. So I feel like there's just so many beautiful people, even at this school that I'm surrounded by that are making amazing things and writing amazing stories. And it's just really about finding where my story fits in or making my own path to fit my story in there. And that's why my thesis feels like so special at this point, because it's my little baby and it's very personal. It's like a diary at this point. It was incredible to see. Celeste, y'all, was incredibly patient as I nosy parkered myself all the way into her process book. And she was flipping through and showing me the images. And when I looked at it, it felt like a photo album that you might find at a grandma's house. And it's like pictures from multiple generations. But she also had, you had swatches, you had stickers, you had all manner of things. You know, I think pictures of yourself as a young child, like there were all these wonderful things that kind of helped to build in the basis or foundation for who you were as an artist and as a person. And one of the stickers I remember, and I want to ask you about it to get some more clarity, was unless it was a sticker or maybe it was the cover image that we're using for this episode. And it said, I lost my rap virginity. And I am very curious about rat virginity and what that means. And I am just guessing that it has something to do with my sister, for example, who lives in Texas, says, swears that if she ever sees a rat in New York, she's very grateful that in all the time she's been, she has never seen a rat (laughs) because she says if she ever sees a rat, she will never, ever return to New York City ever in life. (laughs) And I'm thinking, wow, that's really a hard promise. I hate rats. I don't want to see one, but I don't think I could say I'm never, ever going back to New York City ever again if I do see. Anyway, I was thinking that maybe that has something to do with it, but you'll have to tell us a bit about like, what is rat virginity? (laughs) (laughs) That's a really funny question to hear someone, but I mean, warranted. Also, that's impressive that she's lived in New York and has managed to not see a rat. Oh, no, no. She doesn't live here. She just visits. She just visits. Still very impressive. (laughs) My sister-in-law lives in New York and absolutely has seen a rat before in life. Hey friends, hey. 
Stop on by the Black Women's Stitch Patreon page and help us gain 200 new subscribers by the end of 2022. The Black Women's Stitch Patreon page has been recalibrated to reflect three levels of giving with excellent benefits in each tier. Beginning at $5 a month, the Black Women's Stitch Patreon includes benefits such as videos of the Stitch Please podcast, monthly stitch-ups, direct video messaging, a quarterly gift, and more. So check out the Black Women's Stitch Patreon and help us get 200 new subscribers by the end of 2022. The link to the Black Women's Stitch Patreon page is in the show notes. Help us help you get your stitch together. And thank you. So your guess is correct. The whole slogan is New York took my rap virginity. And it's similar to the conversations that it sounds like you were having with your sister and sister-in-law. But I'm from Pittsburgh. My friend is from Utah. We both go to Parsons. She's a product design student. Shout out Ryan. Um, but we hey, were Ryan. just talking. <laughs> we were talking when we had both gotten back to the city. She had been in Utah and I had been in Pittsburgh for a little bit. We were talking, walking through Bryant Park. And she was like, I haven't seen a rat since I've gotten back. And then almost as soon as she said that, we saw rats running around in the park. And I was like, hey, he took your rat virginity. And it was just this funny thing that we laughed at the rest of the night. I'm taking a screen printing class this year and that shirt was one of my first projects, but that laid the groundwork for a little bit of what I'm doing in my thesis because I love graphic design. I love these absurd shirts and slogans where people are looking at like, what on earth does that mean? But that's really how I love to approach any sort of statement I make with my art is through humor and a little bit of warmness because it's absurd. Rat virginity. What is virginity? Like, what are we talking about? I like to do that in my art. I don't want to inspire discomfort, but it's almost a way of inspiring thought because really like the bigger joke between Ryan and I were very similar, her and I. The bigger joke is just poking fun at these structures within a woman's life, like virginity. Mm -hmm. This is such a big thing that we grow up with hearing about being deflowered and our worth and being tied to a virginity. So it's just joking at the absurdity of the construct of virginity. Virginity was something that people talk about a lot. I have a big interest in women's studies and that changed my life when I took a women's studies class. But this is like something that you grow up being so concerned about as a woman or a femme identifying person. But yes. once you introduce concepts of your sexuality and your gender, I feel like virginity sorts to collapse on itself because we're defining it by heteronormativity. So it's just making a joke at the absurdity of it. Everything can be a virginity if you've never done it before. So why not have a rat virginity? Why not have a roach virginity? Like, why not? Yes, yes. And I think that one of the things that women's studies and Black feminism, at least for me, has taught is that it definitely is worth asking these questions of who created these systems exactly. and for whom were they designed to benefit. And if you look around and you're like, wait a minute, this belief that I have to work twice as hard to get half as much, like who benefits from that, et cetera. And it seems as though these are very much cultural beliefs, similar to how we think about clothing. I imagine thinking about, like, as you were saying, like what makes something femme, femme, like what makes a skirt versus trousers? Clothes should not be gendered, and yet they are absolutely gendered. And so it becomes this really powerful question that you're asking us to kind of interrogate in the same way that the idea that rat virginity makes us interrogate the concept of purity culture moreover. So thank yeah. you for that. Now, you're working on your first collection, and I wondered if you could talk a bit about The American Dream by Celeste Nicole and how does this dream work? Of course, as you were saying before about your American childhood, et cetera. But 
the American dream is a very loaded phrase. And I'm very curious to see what the American dream by Celeste Nicole as a fashion brand, as a fashion question is answered. Yeah. It's so exciting to even hear you saying the words American dream because like I've just landed on a lot of these concepts. So like hearing it, it's like, ah, it's like affirmation in a way. So thank you again for having me here to talk about it because <laughs> it's beautiful. It's like becoming a part of my process to think it through. But well, thank you for sharing your story with us. This is a delight for me as well. Thank you. Absolutely. I think American Dream for me is about telling the story of being un-American and anti-American while being also all-American because these experiences that I've had in childhood, being a part of like such an amazing, beautiful Black family, but then also having like these really common American themes like my nuclear family breaking apart at a young age, my parents divorced and like the fracturing of my household, changing the way that I interacted with the world and saw marriage and commitment and being like the starting point of me being someone who asks why at an early age helped me investigate some of these themes in my life where I'm like, this seems like a very American life, but I've never viewed myself as like an all-American patriotic person. That's not what my ancestors have modeled to me, where it's like this all-American passionate love of this country. It's this disjointed, rejected feeling that I have towards this country and a lot of gripes that I have and a lot of concerns yes. that I have. And it's speaking to that from the point of my voice, people that look like me, other Black creators, other Black artists, like our voice is so important important and should be centered in these conversations we're having about being Americans and our history as Americans. But we're often still gatekept away from these industries because <laughs> we're just not a part of that American dream. We never were a part of that dream. So it's this fun way of co-opting that and being like, well, it's mine because it is mine. It always was mine. It's a part of who I am. There's nothing more American than my family and the experiences that I've had in this country, but it's not really looked at as an American dream or an American experience. I think also combining a lot of the imagery, it's developed a lot since we saw each other and there's a few more graphics that have come about and they include like... Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I really want want you to be at my thesis open studios whenever that oh, happens. Is it going to be in May by any chance? It is going to be in May. <gasps> oh, my classes are finished in May. Yeah. So I might be available. <laughs> I would love that. I'm excited. But yeah, some of the imagery that has sort of developed even further from the rat virginity is I have a graphic that says wear a strap and it's a black cowboy and she's shooting a gun and she's also wearing a strap on and it's about black women being armed. But it's also about centering conversations about queer sex, queer women, queer people mm -hmm. and like how we relate intimately to it, one another. So it's taking something that's very American, like the cowboy and just completely and the gun. transforming it in the gun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nothing more American than the conversation about guns. But yeah, it's taking these things and reclaiming them and putting new meaning to them. And that's what American Dream is about. Taking these super all-American whitewashed concepts of purity and dreams of capitalism and freedom. Manifest destiny. Exactly. And making it queer and Black and powerful and shining a light on how we've always been a part of the American dream. We just weren't invited into it. We weren't included into it. We are the bed on which the American dream was slept. We are the sediment that allowed this country to be a country. There are few things more American 
than Black Americans. Because in the same way that the disenfranchisement and the destruction or the attempted disenfranchisement and destruction of Native peoples in this country is also American, it's the paradox at the heart of this nation's democracy, which is a freedom that has been crafted constitutionally by slave owners. This is a contradiction that we have had from the very start. And it is one of the reasons that a lot of scholars argue that the Black body, it has a limited representational capacity for the American. At the same time, it seems to me that the opposite is true. And I think that one of the things that I find very frustrating in the story that the nation likes to tell about itself is its fondness for forgetting its fondness for its own version of revisionist histories that would absolutely wipe out any understanding of American slavery. And so when you were speaking, Celeste, about, yeah, you know, I'm American, but I also have gripes about America. And I'm like, ma'am, every gripe you have about this country, you have earned. We're out here complaining for no reason. I mean, I was just thinking about this today. I said, it's really interesting the way that whiteness operates. And I know you understand when I say whiteness, and I'm not talking about like necessarily individual white people, I'm like whiteness as an idea. I said, only whiteness will enslave you for 300 years and then demand that you not be mad. <laughs> yeah. And then look at you sideways when you complain, like you're a griper. And don't be mad and don't stop liking me or loving me or putting me at the center of your things. Honestly, it's preposterous, but that's the nature, of course, as we know, of white supremacy and this really very vexed nation that is ours. It is completely ours. Whether the benefits accrue to us evenly or not, it is ours. And also, I'd love to hear more about your Gucci Award, your Gucci Changemaker Award. That is not a small deal. Yeah. One would imagine being the study of fashion and the challenges and that here you are being awarded as a changemaker. So tell me a bit about that and what that project entailed. So the first year that they rolled out the Changemaker Award was in 2020. That was when I applied and was selected along with, I think there was 23 of us. I might be a little fuzzy on that. It was in the 20s, but there was 23 final scholars selected. Unfortunately, it was during the pandemic, so it was all remote. But in addition to the scholarship support, we also were given the opportunity to work an internship over the summer, which was their scholar program. And we got like this an amazing opportunity to sit in on different guest speakers they would have who would give us insight into the industry and open our minds to the possibilities of where we can fit in within the industry because it's not all just about making the clothes. There's so much that happens from yes. production and distribution. So it was really just getting a chance to see what's there, what happens, where you can fit in, where you can see yourself in the future. But I think the best part about that scholarship program has just been connecting with other Black creators, Black and Brown creators. The word is specifically for Black and Brown students. And I've met some amazing people. Ajay is actually one of the other change makers that I met through that. Oh, and you came in the same year through the same? Absolutely. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's how we met. What a small world. <laughs> wow. And we've had such an amazing opportunity to grow together as artists and collaborate. Gucci has been very generous and fun to interact with. I just actually was given the opportunity. They're filming, well, they filmed an ad, a commercial for their next upcoming award, Gucci Changemaker Award for 2023, I believe. And I'm going to be in the commercial along with one of the fellow scholars, Gabrielle, and a good friend that I met, Samuel, while filming. 
but yeah, it's just been a great way of like networking, meeting people within the industry, staying connected to Gucci. It's been a gift that keeps giving and it's been fun to experience, honestly. It's like being on set filming for Gucci sounds like such a big deal. So it was such an amazing opportunity. Yeah, it absolutely is a big deal. And I can't imagine somebody being like, oh, what? what you're on set for Gucci? Big whoop. No, no one is saying that. No one is saying that with seriousness in their heart. And so tell us what's next for you. I guess the next few months for you are working on getting this thesis submitted and this wonderful show that will happen in May. And then next, do you have any ideas about what you'll do next? Or is that the question that's like, oh, it's still so fraught? Or you know what? I'm not ready to answer that because I am still in love with this process. I'm in love with the process and the process is igniting being connected to being such a dreamer because I think what has taken me most of all on this journey is just being very connected to my child self that was not afraid to dream big and see big things for me. I think as you get a little beat up in life, sometimes you drop parts of that because it's like, oh, that's childish. Oh, I just need to do this, that or the third. But really, this journey is igniting that part of me that's like, yeah, I want to do big things and I see big things. So American Dream was my thesis, but now American Dream is becoming my brand. So post-graduation, I see myself investing a lot of time and energy into bringing that baby up because I'm ready for that moment. I'm ready to invest in me. I'm ready to invest in the American Dream by Celeste Nicole. So I see a lot of collaborating with friends and getting that off of the ground and just nurturing that this moment to turn into something bigger. So that's what I see for right now. And yeah, for right now, the focus is just putting my all into making a beautiful thesis and taking care of me in the process. That sounds delightful. And so I'm going to ask you one last question. This is a question we ask everyone. The slogan of the Stitch Place podcast is that we will help you get your stitch together. Celeste Nicole, what advice would you have for our listeners to help us get our stitch together? Keep always investing in yourself, always putting time into what makes you passionate, happy, investigating the whys of what brings you the most joy. Why does that bring you joy? What about connecting to that makes you feel whole? Where can you chase these feelings of complete solitude, happiness, and peace? Find those things, answer those questions, and then just go for those. Just keep going for those things. I love it. And where can we find you if we want to follow you on socials? How can we keep in touch with you? I don't know. Do you have time to be fooling with social media? Like, honestly. I'm the worst at social media, actually. It's a problem because I'm realizing that social media is the new resume. So I'm in the works of getting an American Dream Instagram together. But right now I have a personal Instagram. I don't even know what my handle is. Listen, if she chooses to tell us her handle, y'all, we will put it in the show notes. How about that? She is working on a thesis. Give her a break. She does not need to also be answering a whole lot of questions, I'm sure. Yes. Whenever I figure out what my handle is, I will give it to you so that people, if they want to connect with me, I would love people to connect with me. The more, the merrier. But soon I will have some official sites. It's in the works. Wow. Well, I thank you so much, Celeste. This has been a real delight. Thank you for speaking with me today. Likewise, this has been amazing. Thank you so much, Lisa. You've been listening to Stitch, Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. We appreciate you joining us this week and every week for stories that center Black women, girls, and femmes in sewing. We invite you to join the Black Women Stitch Patreon community with giving levels beginning at $5 a month 
Your contributions help us bring the Stitch Please podcast to you every week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And come back next week and we'll help you get your stitch together. 